Hello, and welcome to My VA Dayton, coming to you from Dayton, Ohio. This is the show where we talk to veterans in the Central Ohio region to share their stories and share what's happening at the Dayton VA. I'm Scott Leach, your host with co-host Greg Tucker. Hello, we have with us today veteran from the Dayton area, Chris Stanley, an Air Force veteran who leads the Fisher Nightingale Houses, Inc., a 501c3 nonprofit organization that supports the houses at both Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and on the Dayton VA Medical Center campus. Great to have you with us today, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity to come. For those who may not know, the Fisher Houses offer physical and emotional support to servicemen and women, providing opportunity for military and veteran families to stay together to support each other when a loved one is undergoing medical treatment. And we are fortunate to have two such houses in our area, one on the Dayton VA campus and the other being at Wright-Pat Air Force Base. Before we get to know a little bit more about you, Chris, uh, we are going to put you to the test. Okay. That's right. It's time to play Don't Tell Me. I think I know that. This is the game that we play where our guests are put to the test of their knowledge of military trivia. And it's also a game where listeners can play along to see if their minds are mired in mounds of military minutiae like ours are. Are you ready to take this challenge, Chris? Well, I'm a little concerned, but sure. Ah, don't worry. We'll take care of you on this ride. Uh, So here's your first question. What famous aviator broke the sound barrier over the Mojave Desert at Edwards Air Force Base. Was it Chuck Norris, Chuck Yeager, Chuck Connors, or Chuck E. Cheese? Oh, those, those are interesting uh, options, but I'll go with Chuck Yeager. Uh, you're right. That's right. Brigadier General Charles Elwood Yeager was a United States Air Force officer, flying ace, and record-setting test pilot who in 1947 became the first pilot in history confirmed to have exceeded the speed of sound in level flight. Yeager was raised in Hamlin, West Virginia. So here's your next question. What is the radio call name used for any U.S. Air Force plane carrying the president? Would it be the Eagle? The Hawk, Air Force Two, or Air Force One? Well, we know it's Air Force One because we've had it land here at Wright Pat a number of times. You sure have. That's correct. That's right. Air Force One is the official call name for any Air Force aircraft carrying the President of the United States. The call sign Marine One is used whenever the President flies in a U.S. Marine chopper or uh, helicopter. Uh, Now, here's your third and final question. The United States Air Forces share a birthday with this federal entity. Would it be the FBI, the NASA, or CIA, or YMCA? It's got to be the NSA because it was part of the National Security Act of 1947. Well, that's close, but I I said the NASA, which is NASA. NASA. Yeah. Would it be F- FBI, NASA, CIA, or YMCA? It's a federal entity. Let's guess uh, CIA. The CIA? Still wrong, aren't I? Actually, the National Security Act of 1947 officially separated the Air Force uh, into its own military branch and created the Central Intelligence Agency. The act was a major re- uh 
restructuring milestone for the United States military and intelligent agencies uh, posted uh, post-World War II. Bonus question. Do you know what the date is for uh, the Air Force birthday? 17 September 1947. That is correct. Good answer. So, Greg, uh, what have we what have we got for our winner today? We have a set of four Dayton VA industrial strength chip clips designed by NASA's aerospace engineers to keep your snacks fresh at home or wherever you may be traveling in the near future. Compliments of the Dayton VA. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear more from Chris about what he's doing in Dayton these days. Our veterans put everything on the line to protect our freedom. We may never be able to repay them for their sacrifice, but we can show them just how much we appreciate all they've done. Every day, hundreds of people just like you volunteer to help our veterans. You can help by simply sharing your time, lending a warm smile, a supportive hand, or a sympathetic ear to someone who needs it. Everyone can do something to make our veterans know how much we appreciate their service. What will you do? And we're back with Air Force veteran Chris Stanley. So, Chris, tell us about the uh, Fisher Nightingale Houses, Inc. Um, you know, I, I, I said we have Fisher Houses both at Dayton and uh, Wright Pat, but you've uh, told me that we've actually got three in the area with two of the houses actually being on the uh, Wright Pat Air Force Base. Correct. So, the, the name of our organization, Fisher Nightingale Houses Incorporated, we began with the Nightingale House out at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base that opened in May of 1990 through the uh, foresight of a captain named Gretchen Lietze. Gretchen was reassigned to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base under humanitarian reassignment because her six-year-old son, Tony, had leukemia. And although she was stationed at the base at, at that time at Armstrong Lab um, and had a place to live, when she was going through treatment, she saw people in the medical center who were sleeping in the medical center, sleeping in their cars in the parking lot because they were the lowest priority for billeting and, and often got bumped out and they couldn't afford a hotel. So she envisioned a Ronald McDonald type compassionate care home and opened that, uh, you know, lobbied the private organizations and the leadership on base. And as I said, that opened in May of 1990. Well, later in 1990, the Fisher family was uh, contacted by Pauline Trost. Her husband was the chief of naval operations, and she asked them if they would consider building a Ronald McDonald-type compassionate care home at Bethesda Naval Medical Center. And uh, the reason she reached out to them and their background, um, Zach and his family came to this country as immigrants. He and his brother Zach started, Fisher. Zach Fisher. Right. Um, he and his brothers uh, left high school and actually started out as bricklayers in New York City. Uh, they actually opened their own firm, and they're now one of the largest construction firms and own about 6 million square feet of leasable space in Manhattan. So they're probably doing pretty well. Um, but when World War II broke out, Zach tried to come into the Marines. Uh, but he was barred from the service due to an injury to his leg in a construction accident. He was very patriotic. Uh, Elizabeth, his wife, subsequent you know, to, to World War II, she was a Zigfield girl who went overseas with the USO and entertained the troops. No, I've World never heard that about them. Mm -hmm. yeah. no, I never knew that about her. So they were very, they never had any kids. They were very um, patriotic and, and loved this country. And if you remember when the headquarters of the Marines was bombed in Beirut, Lebanon, we lost over 200 Marines in that incident. Well, Zach reached out and he sent a check for $10,000 to every family. 
and a personal handwritten note he was sending on behalf of the Grateful Americans. So we're talking over $2 million. Then uh, plane crash in Gander, Newfoundland with over 200 troops and 101st Airborne that were coming back from a deployment to the Sinai Desert. He writes a check for $10,000 again to each family. Then uh, the gun turrets explode on the USS Iowa. We lose over 40 sailors in that incident. And he writes a check for 25000 to each family. So now he's about $5 million plus into this and says to his wife, yeah, maybe we should start a foundation. So when Pauline uh, reached out to them and spoke to them about building the one in Bethesda, they actually said, we'll build three, one for the Army, one for the Navy, one for the Air Force, you tell us where. We've got the construction background, we've got the engineers, the architects, and the money, and we will build it and donate it to the government. Well, what started as a request for one, there's now 92 Fisher houses in the network. And growing. And growing. There's four more under right. construction, and they'll break ground for at least four more next year. So we're getting ready to, to hit a milestone of over 100 houses right. in the Fisher House network. And their ultimate goal is to have a uh, Fisher House at every military installation, correct? Every military installation that has a, um, a major medical yeah. center. And then the VA uh, major medical centers, and, and the list is long for, yes. for the VA. Well, we got our first Fisher House in April of 94, or excuse me, in May of 1994. And so we operated that and the Nightingale House simultaneously. Uh, we ended up opening the second Fisher House on Wright Pat in April of 11. Um, and so the Nightingale House was a converted base house. It was returned to the government and, and subsequently has been demolished. But um, we returned that to them in February of 11. And then, the, like I said, Fisher House 2 opened in April of 11. And then uh, we opened the one on the historic VA campus in um, October of 2018. So Fisher Houses... Uh, I, I tell people the Reader's Digest version is that we're just like a Ronald McDonald house, but we support the wounded, injured, and ill, military men and women, veterans, and their families. And uh, between our three here in the Dayton area, we have 37 suites. If you multiply that by 365 nights a year, that's 13,500 nights. And if you figure out what the average rate of a hotel is here in the area, we're save, we have the capability to save the guests over $2 million in hotel costs each year, but in a home environment, not in a hotel environment. Right. The, the facilities are absolutely phenomenal. Not just, uh, not just, they're far more than just a hotel room. They're more welcoming. It's more like a home atmosphere. Uh, they are absolutely terrific. But uh, tell us specifically who can use those facilities. Okay, so uh, the houses support anybody who is receiving either inpatient or outpatient treatment at the Wright Pat Medical Center or the Dayton VA Medical Center um, for however long they're receiving that treatment. They stay with us and there's no cost to stay. Uh, one of the things that's unique about the one on the Dayton VA campus, a couple things that are unique about it. First of all, in addition to the VA Medical Center, you know, patients and their families, uh, we ha you have a large um, hospice facility on the campus. And so we support the families that are coming in to see their loved one that's in hospice. And they can stay also in the Fisher House with us. Uh, another thing that's unique is, you know, out at Wright Pat, we've got a commissary on the base, and you've got the Kroger's up on Dayton Yellow Springs, and you've got a Myers over on uh, Colonel Glenn. Uh, you know, where you're at down on the VA campus, that's a food desert. 
considered mm-hmm. the west side of Dayton as a food desert. So I take $5,000 in visa cards to the house manager every four or five weeks. She orders food through a program called SHIP, S-H-I-P-T. And if you walk into the house, and you talked about the, the kitchen, you know, again, not like a hotel. There's a kitchen there that they can it, cook it's like home. they want. It is a home. Yeah. But there's three sub-zero refrigerators and two sub-zero freezers. A very nice home, by the way. <laughs> yes. A $7 million home. <laughs> but uh, uh, you walk in, and two of the three refrigerators and both freezers are completely stocked with food. And then there's also food, non-perishables. And so the guests can go in and get whatever they want, whenever they want, whatever works for their schedule. Uh, if they want to get up and put on their pink fuzzy slippers and their <laughs> bathrobe in the middle of the night and go get something to eat, they can do it. Hey, Chris, if I could ask you a question concerning a, if you can give us an example of a veteran or a family member who came to you seeking help far as from the Fisher House, um, what type of support, or can you give me a scenario where they received support? Well, you know, you, this VA uh, supports 18 counties, and, you know, 17 in Ohio, one in Indiana. If you're receiving some kind of treatment, do you want to drive back and forth to Indiana every day? You know, I don't. I, I would not want to get on 70 and drive back and forth to Indiana every day or some other distant county. And so uh, you're, you, you're coming here to the uh, medical center to receive, again, either inpatient or outpatient treatment, and you'd like your family to come along. We feel that uh, the Fisher House Network, we feel that a family's love is good medicine. And if you talk to any medical professional, they'll tell you that having your family there uh, to support you while you're going through whatever that medical situation is, but is actually very good for the, the recovery process. I I think it would be, uh, the term I would use, I think it's criminal if we have a veteran who, A, decides not to come and receive treatment because they don't know the house exists, but they don't want to be separated from their family, mm-hmm. or B, they they come and they stay in a local hotel. And they're paying that cost for a hotel off the campus. You know, the closest hotel to the Dayton VA campus is either the UD Marriott or downtown Dayton. There's no hotels directly near the the campus. And And they're paying for that. We've got these houses and we provide the service for free to these veterans, again, for however long they're undergoing that inpatient or outpatient treatment. So we want people to come and stay in the houses. They're there for them. That house on the VA campus, that's a 16-bedroom, 17-and-a-half handicapped accessible bath house, 13-and-a-half-thousand square feet. I don't know if you two have either of you have made the time to go and take a tour of the oh, house, yes, but yes. you won't find a nicer house, <laughs> no. you know, for, the, for these families to stay in. And some of them actually will say to, to us, this is nicer than I've ever been in. This is really kind of too nice for me. And we don't want mm-hmm. them to feel that. We want them right. to come in and feel at home in the Fisher House. Yeah. I'm assuming that for many it's very humbling, actually, to go in there. Like you say, oh, this is too good for me or I don't deserve this. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm sure that there have been a number of people that you've run into in this, uh, in, in this endeavor that uh, have... Uh, benefited greatly without that without that facility uh, they couldn't be 
with their loved one. Uh, they couldn't uh, have uh, provided the support for the veteran who's receiving the medical care. Uh, tell us, if you can, is there a particular time that really stands out to you where uh, you, you saw that, uh, that unique experience that really, you know, not only touched your heart, but really validates everything that we do with these fresher houses? Uh, you know, there's been a number. I, I've been around for a long time. I've been involved with the Fisher Houses for about 28 years and been the executive director for over 20 years. And the house managers are the ones who, who you know, see the families daily and, and that type of thing. I run the nonprofit that supports the houses. But, uh, you know, I know of cases, and, and I tell people when I go out and speak, the average length of stay is about a week. Some families stay with us for a day or two. Some families stay with us for, you know, several weeks to a month. And we've had, out at Wright Path, for instance, we've had a fam family stay with us for over a year while they're going through treatment. As a matter of fact, they were with us so long that when they left, they had to rent a U-Haul to take all the stuff they'd <laughs> accumulated while they were there, you know, over that one-year period. It was their home. I, I didn't know people PCS from the Fisher House. <laughs> well, he was, this individual is a Master Sergeant in the Air Force. He was getting ready to retire, and as he went through his retirement physical, they found a serious medical condition. He was overseas. They sent him here, and the treatment just kept going on and yeah. on. And, that, and in that situation, they wouldn't retire him until that situation was mm -hmm. resolved uh, or, you know, on a good path. So, you know, he and his wife stayed with us for a year, and it became their home. And if you look at our testimonies on our website and our annual report, they actually made a statement along the lines of this, this is not a Fisher house. This is our Fisher home. And, and that's what we want people to understand is we, it's not a cold check-in at the front desk, here's your key, your room's down the hall on the right situation. Home, 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 home. And Chris, how would someone find out more information or how do they uh, contact the Fisher House if they're in need? So uh, at the Dayton VA and at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, the social workers within the medical centers know of the Fisher House and make referrals over. Um, if somebody is going to a clinic, uh, you know, within, again, the VA or Wright-Pat, and typically the, the staff will know of a Fisher House, and they'll say, okay, you need to be here at, uh, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning on Thursday for your, you know, your to be checked in for your treatment. Well, I live three hours away. You know, they'll say to them, contact the Fisher House. Here's the number. Betsy Strebel is the manager over at the Dayton VA. Uh, Dior is the manager over at Wright Pat Air Force Base. And um, they'll be referred to them. And, and not only that, but like on Wright Pat, base billeting is aware of the Fisher House and, and supports us because if somebody contacts them and says, hey, I'm going to uh, be coming in, I need to receive medical treatment, I need to reserve a room of billeting. Billeting will actually say to them, why don't you call the Fisher House and make sure you stay over there? So we want, we want people to know, you know, I, I have two tasks as the executive director, of course, to raise money, but the other part is the education task, and I want everybody to know that these houses exist. 
Yeah. And so if there is somebody that's in need uh, and may not have known about the Fisher House, that their their first stop is to talk to social work uh, to get that referral. To get the referral. Absolutely. And they will they will do a great job to ensure that you're uh, uh, into the system and taken care of. Um, you know, we know how dedicated you are to this cause. Uh, you were so dedicated that you actually took a, a pay cut to actually come to work uh, for this non-for-profit. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I retired uh, from the Air Force in 2001, and uh, I initially began with the Fisher House in this position as a uh, part-time job. So I took a full-time job uh, working as a government contractor on Red Pat, and I did that for 15 years. Well, my part-time job with the Fisher House evolved into a full-time job. So I essentially had two full-time jobs. And of course, government contractors are paid pretty well. And uh, when this third house came about out at the Dayton VA, my wife and I spoke and I said, you know what, I've been doing this for 15 years. I can't do both jobs anymore. I can't do it justice. And she, she looked at me and she said, you know, Fisher House is your passion. If you can work on a new uh, deal with them uh, and go full time, then go ahead and do it. So you're, yeah, I, I took a big pay cut because from what I was making, with Fisher House and the government contractor to just what I was making with Fisher House. But uh, I'll be honest with you, I tell people, God has blessed my wife and I, we have more disposable income now with less income, you know, than we had bef when I was working two full-time jobs. But you and we were talking, the three of us were talking beforehand, I've got four kids and 16 grandkids and none of them live local. And I was hearing from those family members of, you can't come see us? Well, I'm sorry, I've got work i got to do. So it opened up that uh, space a little more for me. Yes, well, that's that's how serious you take this, and we understand how dedicated you are. And I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of that dedication comes from the fact that you spent quite a bit of time in the military uh, to begin with. Uh, but tell us, what was your calling to, to join the military? You uh, spent 20-plus years in the Air Force, uh, why, why did you go into the Air Force? Uh, I came in straight out of high school. As a matter of fact, I went into late enlistment while I was still in high school in my senior year. And it was, it wasn't, it was kind of a calling, but it was, I'm not a college, I wasn't college material, and I knew that. And so I wanted to get a, a career going. Um, my uh, family's background, my, my mom was a sergeant in the Army during World War II. And my dad was an officer in the Army Air Corps in World War II. They weren't married at the time. That was prohibited. Uh, they subsequently got married. Uh, my brother was uh, did a couple tours in Vietnam. He's about 14 years older than I am. So I, when I got out of high school, Vietnam was over. But uh, he did a couple tours. My adopted dad was in the Navy in World War II. So I have some military background there. And I decided I wanted to join the Air Force, and, and it's kind of funny. I came home and told my mom I joined the Air Force, and she said, "But we're an Army family." And I said, <laughs> "But I scored high enough to get in the Air Force." So, yeah. So when I came in the Air Force, I was in a small select personnel career field called personal affairs, and and that really fell into my calling because personal affairs handled the casualty notification, reporting, and assistance to the next of kin. So during my entire career, I was taking care of people, taking care of family members when, you know, somebody would pass away with active duty, um, reserve, guard, retired, you know, we were providing assistance to them. 
And then, of course, as a first sergeant, I took care of a lot of folks. And I did that for about five and a half years before I retired. Um, and in my last unit had over a thousand troops and you know that's a lot of people to take care of absolutely you know in, in reading your bio i learned uh, that you have received a lot of honors over the years uh, for all your service uh, you know you're you're a, a more than average dedicated uh, uh individual to pretty much whatever you uh, set your, your mind to and your, and your heart to. Uh, but one of the things that stood out in the bio was that you'd actually received a promotion uh, through the Stripes for Exceptional uh, Performers, which is the STEP program. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that happened. What, what, what did you do to earn that? I did my job. You know, and I, I guess I did my you job really well. excelled at your job. <laughs> I guess I did my job really well. Yeah. I was at uh, Randolph Air Force Base in the, uh, what was then was the 12th Air Base Group. Um, worked in a building on the base, if you've ever been to Randolph, called the Taj Mahal is the, the building I was working there. Uh, but I got selected as the uh, wing NCO of the year, and the wing commander had one on-the-spot step promotion to give out. and. Right, so, that's that's what people don't, a lot of people don't understand that that step promotion is, is very rare. Commanders only give that out to exceptional performers, but on, they're only given one of those on-spot promotions. The rest of them you have to earn through the, the normal channel, so. Yeah, and, and so, you know, you spent, you know, 20-plus uh, years in the Air Force. I was stepped to Tech Sergeant E6 when I had... Uh, um, six years and two months in the Air Force, you know, most people were still competing for E5 at that point, but I got stepped to uh, tech at, at uh, that point. But, you know, if you read the rest of it, it took me a while to get all my other promotions because I never studied. Mm -hmm. I just, I was always doing what I wanted to do, which was taking care of people, being involved in organizations that were taking care of people. So it took me seven years to make master. And it took me another eight years to make senior E8. And, and it's because I'd never cracked a book mm -hmm. and I never prepared for, and I didn't politic yeah. for promotion. I just, I was doing the, the things I wanted to do to take care of people. You, as you said before, you were doing your job. You weren't playing the game. You were doing what needed to be done. And yeah. And Tris, hearing as far as your experience, your career, as far as your military career, uh, you took care of a lot of people. What are some of the most valuable skills you felt that you transferred into what you're doing now? I think empathy is the, the biggest thing. You know, it was very moving and, and it was, uh, you know, very difficult to do casualty assistance to families, uh, especially, you know, for active duty families where somebody died in an aircraft incident, a car accident. You know, I unfortunately saw homicides and suicides and, you know, other accidental drownings and, you know, all kinds of things, uh, ways that people could pass away. And, of course, then somebody who had, who had an illness and, you know, it took some time. But a sudden death and then you're dealing with a, a young spouse, maybe young kids, um, you know, and you're dealing with that and trying to help them get all the Air Force, VA, Social Security benefits, commercial life insurance proceeds, and so on. Uh, I've learned a lot of empathy and caring for other people, and that's the way I was raised. So it's not like I had to learn that. I just had to uh, nurture it and mature it more as I as I grew up. Um, 
and and that carried over to what I do now. You know, I I just I want families to be taken care of and you know know that the houses exist and use the houses and do I contact the house managers all the time what do you need what can we the board get you you know what can our organization do to support you what do you need to take care of the guests that are in the house okay well thank you again for everything that you do Chris we're going to be taking a break right now and we'll be right back and here's some more of Chris's story I was in the military I didn't know that when I left, I was eligible for health care through the VA. I thought you had to be disabled or been wounded. Another vet told me I should check it out. Now, I have the care I need at the Dayton VA. Don't wait another day to see how the VA may help you. I'm a vet, and it's my VA. Make it your VA today. Call 937-268-6511, extension 2159 to enroll, or visit dayton.va.gov. My name is Corporal Bradley Joseph Seitz. Jerry Reed. Kate Weber. These are real veterans facing a real challenge. I have PTSD. And I have PTSD. I have PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder can happen to anyone. I was still in a war zone in my mind. But treatment can turn your life around. Treatment has really saved my life. To learn about PTSD and how treatment can help you, Call your local VA medical center or visit ptsd.va.gov. And we're back with Air Force veteran Chris Stanley. Hey, Chris, uh, if you could, tell us a little bit about your experience with the Dayton VA. Uh, you know, I when I retired, I got my disability through through the VA, uh, but I was getting my care out at Wright Pat. We have a large medical center. And I was hearing from my wife that the TV in the house was getting louder and louder and louder <laughs> <laughs> and she said you, you know, and my father's <laughs> house <laughs> she said so you need to go to uh, uh, the base and get a hearing test yeah and I did and uh, the, they said you actually listened to her she's honestly she's my fourth wife yes yeah, so I've okay over time. <laughs> it's just it's just that a lot of people who have that issue uh, they don't they don't I would say they don't hear it, no pun intended, but they really don't. They don't. They, they don't notice it, uh, and it's hard to convince uh, someone who is having those issues, uh, hearing loss, that they have a real, real issue. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like vision as well. You get the new glasses. Oh my gosh, I can see everything now. What beautiful <laughs> colors! And and the same with the hearing. Uh, so, uh, so, so you actually listened to her. I did. So I went to the base, <laughs> and then the base said to me, as military retiree. You can get them from us at cost. Yeah. But then they said, do you have a disability through the VA? And I said, yes, but it's for my heart. And they said, it doesn't matter. Go down there, get registered. You can get your hearing aids to the VA at no cost. So I went down. I got registered, went through primary care. They made the referral. And I went up there. And I got to tell you, I absolutely love the people up in audiology. And one of your past directors, Glenn Costi, mm -hmm. said to me one time when we were talking, he said, for every compliment I get for any clinic in the in the rest of the medical center I get one for the VA, uh, for audiology he said they're phenomenal and they are they've been phenomenal to me and you know when I first got my hearing aids honestly for about the first year I didn't wear them um, I don't have any hair and it was kind of probably a vanity thing you know I, you know I'm, I'm 50 or whatever I was at the time and 
here I am wearing hearing aids and I don't have a way to hide on you know under the hair eventually I put them in and and now I am the biggest advocate for them and I've talked to a number of people and I tell them when you get them it's going to take your brain about three or four months to kind of adjust you're going to start hearing things you haven't heard in forever if you crumple a piece of paper or how loud the keyboard is when you're mm-hmm. typing on it or this or that or the other but do not oh my god take i can hear it <laughs> yeah but then it, then it actually bothers them yeah and uh, so i tell them right. do not take them out you, your brain needs right. to be rewired mm-hmm. to under, you know to work with them exactly. and yeah. and so i'm like the biggest advocate for uh, the audiology department, yeah. and if I have to go to any other clinic down to Dayton VA, I'm sure I'll receive just as great a service. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you even had mentioned just before we started that, uh, you know, you got your hearing aids in there, and they're actually connected to the phone, and how, you know, it, it's not just your basic hearing aids. These are state-of-the-art uh, hearing aids that employ technology that you can actually hear the phone conversation. Actually, you want to hear something funnier. There's a device that's connected to my TV, and the TV is also Bluetoothed into my head, Nice. And it filters out my wife at the same time. <laughs> so that's, you used to listen to her, sell- but you don't anymore. That's a selling point. Well, she has to raise her hand and get my attention when when she wants me to pause the TV so she can talk to me. So that's kind of a selling point because every time I tell people that, the guys, they're like, well, how do I get here? <laughs> so what would you tell other veterans who don't know about it to, from your experience? What would what, you, tell you know... Bad news sells. You, if you watch the regular news at night, 58 minutes of the regular news or, or 28 minutes of the 30-minute show is going to be bad news. And then they'll put the one little fuzzy, you know, feel-good piece at the very end. And, and people will tell you any bad experience they had at the VA or they had a friend of a friend of a friend who had a bad experience, and that perpetuates. But the the... People need to understand there's a lot of good that goes on down there. I know, as we discussed before, your director, he and I were in the Air Force together. Um, I know a number of other people there. Your your staff is phenomenal. The support is phenomenal. Do not go down and experience it yourself, and then you'll see. Instead of listening to the story of a friend of a friend of a friend, what we used to refer to as like old wives' tales, you know, kind of thing that that scares people off from going there well i'm going to receive crummy service no you're not go down there and experience it well thanks chris for joining us today it's you know it's great to hear all your stories they've been fantastic and we love to hear stories from veterans uh like you that are here in the southwest ohio region well and i appreciate the opportunity to spread the news about the fisher house and what we do and it's great work that you do we'll be right back When I retired from the Air Force, I received my medical benefits for life through TRICARE. I didn't know I was also eligible for care through the VA, some of which I pay no copay for or an annual premium. Now I have options I didn't know I had before because of the Dayton VA. Don't wait another day to see how the VA may help you. I'm a vet and it's my VA. Make it your VA today. Call 937-268-6511, extension 2159 to enroll or visit dayton.va.gov. And we want to thank uh, Air Force veteran Chris Stanley once again for taking time to tell us his story and to share his experience with the Dayton VA Medical Center. I'm Brandon. It's my VA. Make it your VA. If you are caring for a veteran with serious illness or disabilities, the Dayton VA Medical Center can help you support them and take care of yourself. 
You may qualify for services like training, counseling, or respite care when you need a break. If the veteran you care for was injured post 9-11, you may be eligible for even more services, including a stipend to help with expenses, training, and medical coverage if you aren't already covered. For all caregivers, we can provide progressive needs planning to help manage degenerative conditions, match caregivers with services and benefits, connect caregivers with local resources and programs, and listen to caregivers when they are struggling. And listening may be the biggest help of all in a situation like this. Who else can you turn to when you are facing struggles with providing care for a loved one? Who else understands the special needs of an aging or disabled veteran? The professionals with the Caregiver Support Program do. They know what you're going through and where to find additional help. If you're a caregiver for a veteran, you can get support by contacting Erin Heyman, Supervisory Social Worker at the Dayton VA Medical Center. Her phone number is 937-268-6511, extension 2858. The Caregiver Support Line is also available if you need support outside of the Dayton Healthcare Region, have questions about Caregiver Support Services nationwide, or just need someone to listen to right now. Simply call 855-260-3274. We want to say thanks again to our special guests for taking time today to share their story. We truly enjoy hearing stories from veterans from across the region and learning more about how they found care through the Dayton VA Medical Center. And as always, we want to thank our listeners for joining us and remind them if they are a veteran and not enrolled, to enroll with the Veterans Health Administration to receive health care benefits through the Dayton VA Medical Center. It's easy and it doesn't cost a thing. You just need to be a veteran. The simplest way to start enrollment is to call our Enrollment and Eligibility Office at 937-268-6511, extension 4105. They can schedule an appointment for you to come to the Dayton VA campus or help you make an appointment to come to one of the many surrounding community-based outpatient clinics located at Springfield, Richmond, Lima, and Middletown. Again, that number is 937-268-6511, extension 4105. Veterans may also enroll by visiting www.choose.va.gov health. While there, you can choose from applying online, by phone, or by mail. It's just that simple. Really, as I said before, it doesn't cost a thing to apply. So what are you waiting for? Call us today. Or if you know of a veteran who is not enrolled, have them call to start taking advantage of this benefit. If you're a veteran, it's your VA. Sign up today. Join us again for another episode of My VA Dayton with the Dayton VA Medical Center. Our episodes drop the 1st and 15th of each month. I'm Scott Lease with your co-host, Greg Tucker. Thanks again for listening to My VA Dayton.